0: Uh, we have a counselor that sometimes comes and works with our students as well as our faculty. So we had just like a counseling Zoom the other day for our staff in our building, where we just basically talked through like, how are you feeling? Um, what what are you experiencing as just a as a person, not necessarily as a teacher? And so I felt like they've been very proactive in making sure that we're thinking about those things first and content and curriculum second.
1: I've been so pleased with all of the conversations I've had. I think I'm up to about 15 now, where every time I hear people talk about how much they are being supported in terms of their social, emotional well-being. And this is just another case of that. This is a conversation I had with Eric Langhorst. Eric is a, a history, ICT teacher, many other things in the Kansas City area. I've known Eric for a long time. And this was a great chance to catch up with him and see some of the innovative things that his district has been doing to set themselves up for some level of success during this time. But again, uh, once again, really, really encouraged by the way in which uh, the leadership in his district is supporting educators and, as a result, students. Welcome, everybody. It's another edition of uh, what's happening in education and COVID-19. And I'm pleased to have with me uh, Eric Langhorst from Kansas City area. Eric and I have uh, been connected online for over a decade. I know that. Uh, I, I remember fondly. It was my very first uh, ISTE conference in San Antonio, uh, and uh, I met met Eric there. And Eric had already been doing a lot of really interesting uh, work online with uh, with uh, his. Uh, his history, uh, instruction, and, and a lot of things he was sharing. So I've uh, been known Eric for a long time. He always does good work. So this was a great chance, uh, excuse, I guess, to get caught up, which is kind of what we're finding a lot, eh? just getting caught up with people that we may not have, have been doing much in the last little while. So Eric, why don't you introduce yourself a little more deeply, and then we'll, uh, we'll get started chatting.
0: Okay. Uh, my name is Eric Langhorst. I teach um, in Liberty, Missouri, suburb of Kansas City. Uh, this is my 26th year in the classroom. I teach kind of an odd combination of stuff. I do eighth grade U.S. history and then half the time I also teach seventh and eighth grade computer science. So like teaching kids to uh, code mobile apps. We do some stuff with micro bits, things like that. And then I also teach an online high school class um, for a curriculum that I created called Social Media in Modern Society. So I've done that for the last couple of years and that's just a a, a typical class that high school students can take as an as an elective and we miss a panic, so that was just something that we always offer
1: it's uh interesting as you sh- share those things uh you know it's like you've sort of carved out your own little uh teaching experience you know I know you started as a history teacher, but I know you're uh you're involved with technology sort of probably opened some of those doors for you so great to be be able to sort of uh, take advantage of your strengths and interests so uh, I guess the first question I always ask people is, um, you know here we are and and i don 't know how far along this journey everybody 's in a little bit different spot, but what are you as a as a teacher in a couple of different areas like what are you supposed to be doing right now what what 's the mandate of of kids in missouri and and yourself in particular
0: So we went to spring break, I think it was the thirteenth of March, um, so we kind of had that week where we didn't really know what was gonna happen, but like everything was happening really quickly. So we had that spring break week and then we found out that we were gonna to go to remote learning. And the governor of Missouri officially closed all the schools in Missouri on, I believe April 9th for the rest of the year. So um, in, in some ways that was almost kind of a relief, I think for a lot of us, because at first it was just gonna be like a two week experience. And then we weren't really sure, well, you know. If you're only going to do stuff for two weeks, you're going to do stuff different than you would if you're going to be online for the next seven. So once we found that out, then I think everybody could kind of settle in and try and figure out what they were going to do in a remote learning situation. Uh, The traditional class that I teach at the high school on social media, that's an online class that's already built. So all the stuff that we do was already created for that. Um, The U.S. history class right now, we're talking about the United States Civil War. There's lots of content there. I have a lot of stuff I can draw on. Probably the more difficult one is the computer science class because we do um, basically coding and then we test it on a a tablet that we have in the classroom, a set of tablets. So that's something that's a lot easier to do when you've got a kid shoulder to shoulder and you're trying to help them troubleshoot code or something. So that one's been a little bit more difficult, but um, we've been one-to-one for, gosh, six or seven years. And I know I use Google Classroom as kind of my traditional how we turn stuff in and how I give them a lot of material. So there hasn't been a ton of difference in kind of how we've done stuff. Obviously, not being in the classroom and not having a physical situation has been a difficulty. But as far as kind of like the nuts and bolts and routine of like turning stuff in and that kind of stuff, um, it's been pretty similar. Uh, We did have an interesting experience in late February. Um, we kind of, in Missouri, they changed some laws on how they can consider seat time and learning. So, uh, we don't have a ton of snow days. I know talking to somebody from Canada, we talk about snow days and you guys probably laugh at us. We have probably more ice days than snow days, but there have been some situations the last couple of years where we've had a lot of those. So last year, um, Department of Education of Missouri allowed schools to come up with some plans for virtual snow days. And so once we reached a certain number of days, we kicked into that virtual snow day situation. So we did have a day in February where we had, you know, curriculum planned and things were ready. And I think in some ways that kind of helped our parents and students um, and teachers to kind of know what it might look like to have a virtual situation, even though it was only for one day. Um, So I think that helped us a lot, too.
1: So is the expectation, though, that, uh, you know, teaching and learning and instruction and particularly new learning will carry on? Or is it is there breaks put on that as far as, you know, testing and and assessment and evaluation and such? What's what's that message?
0: Yeah. So there hasn't been a lot from like the state down as far as kind of how they want each district to do that. In our own individual district, we had a policy come out last week that said that students are going to be held um, whatever they had at the end of the third quarter, their grade um, could not go down from that. Um, But students could continue to work on stuff and their grade could improve. So it's kind of a catch 22, but we do have some students that have some situations where they're not able to uh, possibly get on the internet or, you know, just, gosh, I think of all the situations with kids where, They might be taking care of five or six siblings or maybe their parents just lost a job. So we're trying to kind of walk that delicate balance of we want learning to continue, but we're not going to punish a kid if they don't have the same advantages that some of our other students have. So that's been our policy. Um, I'm still doing work with my students. Um, I've had a lot of, of engagement with my students. So I would say like eighty percent of my students are turning in work, and um, I do a daily video, just kind of, you know, tell them what's happening, and maybe tell a joke or two, and just kind of be corny about it. Um, we've done some Zoom calls, um, so the engagement's been pretty good um, for my students. Um, we've got a lot of advantages. Our students are one to one, pretty affluent district. I think that we have, you know, quite, quite good connectivity um, kind of as far as like internet access and things like that. So. Um, for the most part, we've kind of just carried on with what we've been doing as far as what our normal topics would have been
1: and again that it's it's really speaking to uh, those districts who have invested in technology and you know it's 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 creating just less stress for people in in that position so it's paying off for sure at this point. what about um from that leadership perspective and and knowing that you know you rely a lot on your district as opposed to perhaps a state or Obviously, uh, any kind of federal uh, messaging. But what have you appreciated from leadership uh, as far as what they have said to teachers or parents or whomever about uh, about you know how to deal with this this situation?
0: Yeah, so I've I've been super happy with how our administration and just our district level people have you know basically told us take care of relationships first, Uh, make sure that you are doing what you need to for your family. Um, they have not done, I mean, I've seen some districts where it's, gosh, like this is the schedule per minute and right. you got to do this. And, and our district has not done that. Um, we have a faculty meeting as a building every week uh, where we do a Zoom call. That's been great. Uh, my principals have called me um, every couple of days just to basically chat and just say like, hey, how you doing? Um, anything that, you know, we can do to help you. Uh, we have a counselor that sometimes comes and works with our students as well as our faculty. So we had just like a counseling Zoom the other day for our staff in our building, where we just basically talked through like, how are you feeling? Um, what, what are you experiencing as just a, as a person, not necessarily as a teacher? And so I felt like they've been very proactive in making sure that we're thinking about those things first and content and curriculum second. Um, knowing that, that that's also going to be there. I think that there's quite a few students that they want that. You know, I'm hearing yeah. from students saying, hey, we're doing the assignments. Is there anything like extra little activity I can do just because I want mm-hmm. to be able to do something? But our, our district's really focused on the person more than content, I think.
1: And that, uh, I, I keep hearing that message. Like, I, I don't know that I've ever been more proud of education on a larger scale because this is, it's not where oh, it's pockets. You know, we talk about pockets all the time, whether it's innovation or culture or whatever I'm seeing. a. This is, I mean, and I've again, been interviewing a lot of people. I'm seeing this same message being uh, really hammered home in, in many ways. So I'm, I'm, I'm I didn't know what you're going to say, obviously, but I'm just so encouraged when I do hear people say right. that it's about the people first, like make sure you take care of your, and you take care of yourself too, right? Like you're taking care of other people, but you know, teachers are, are dealing with this um, in, in the same ways. Uh, one of the things I think is interesting, of course, is just, uh, you know, uh, this, this new routine life that people are experiencing and, and try to process the good and the bad of it all. But uh, What about from a, like just a daily routine, you know, when it hits you, like, well, okay, this is really weird, this, what I'm doing right now. Like, what, what has been those moments for you that have kind of caught you off guard saying, this is not the way things normally work, good or bad or otherwise?
0: Um, well, I mean, I, I just think the whole way that people think about time and space is going to be so different after this. Um, I mean, so much of what we do is just because we've done it for the last hundred years that way and just you can't change it. Like, I'll have a, a class or something or be working on a project, take a 15 minute break and, you know, go play with my dog outside or whatever. I mean, just weird stuff like that. Whereas a teacher, I think we're so locked into schedules and routines and, you know, there's like a rhythm to what you do each day and each week. Um, so just being able to like, I mean, it sounds dumb, but like, you know, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee, you know, for 10, 15 minutes and come back. And just the way that, um, I think being able to take those breaks has allowed me to then come back and really focus um, in a different way than if I just had seven class periods in a row. Um, we've talked as a district a lot in the last year, actually, about how we're going to maybe change some things with time and space. And like, I've been thinking a lot about when people talk about having students have more individualized learning times on, Hey, I want to spend more time during my day on math because I'm not good at math and I could spend a little bit extra time on something that I'm not good at, but I've also thought a lot about, you know, when we come back, what if a student really wants to go into broadcasting, you know, we have a broadcasting class, what if you spent a little extra time on broadcasting during your day instead of just the traditional 40-minute class period or whatever, and just trying to, when we come back from this, really, like, meet the needs of our students um, in different ways so that we're not just working them through that cog of the industrial, you know, I got 45 minutes here, and then when I move classes, and I think that, in a lot of ways, this will probably have some really big benefits as far as how people think about those things, and it, it it takes something this big, I think, for education to do that, since it's such a big ship to turn around. But I'm, it's a horrible thing, but I'm also excited about maybe the different ways that people might look at how we do traditional structures.
1: That's that's an really interesting point, and I hadn't thought of that idea of, uh, you know, the way the way we think of the time because as, as you've said we've talked a lot about like how do we make education more personal and and kids have had a hard time I think engaging in that conversation because they've really only known one way that school has been and you know educators too we hopefully as adults have some opportunities to think beyond that but I always think kids like when you ask kids like what do you want school to be like how can they even answer that question because like this is what it is right so I don't I don't necessarily find kids to be great advocates for that, not because of, of, of anything other than the fact they don't have enough experience. This, however, yeah. might be interesting in the sense that the kids are coming back and say, you know what, Mr. Langhorst, I found that if I work for an hour or if I take a break or if whatever, however they've sort of crafted out their learning, that, that I really learned well in this environment or exactly. whatever it is, right? So I think, yeah, I think I think the, the time to have that conversation and include kids as part of it is is going to be uh you know one opportunity that we don't want to waste because um they are dealing with the same thing now and so their perspectives I think are gonna have a lot more weight than they might have if they're just coming from I only know how school works in my own world,
0: right? So Right Right. I think it's been really interesting too to think about the timing of when this happened. Um we've talked about this as a staff quite a bit. You know, obviously when we come back hopefully in the fall, one, we're gonna have to have a plan for what if there's some kind of resurgence right. of this and we're gonna have to move back to a remote learning situation. I was with my students for three fourths of the year. So it's a completely different ball game for us here in North America where we've had that. If I had to start a year with remote learning, I mean, that would be so difficult because when I'm dealing with a student now and I'm answering an email or I'm responding to him on Google Classroom, I've got that experience of knowing how they're going to probably react, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. But gosh, can you imagine like, um, you know, we have a middle school, where we have six, seven, eight. Can you imagine being a sixth grader and going from an elementary situation oh. to a middle school and you're starting with the remote learning situation? That would be crazy.
1: Yeah. And that's what, like when I talk to the people in Australia, their school year started in January. So they think, they, yeah, they've had some contact, but, they haven't had a chance to build up you know, any sense of real depth and community and, and relationships that, that we have had in North America because of when our school year started. So yeah, there's, just, there's a lot to think about in that, in that way. And again, um, uh, some of the timing of this, you know, not that there was ever good timing, but there may have actually been some, some blessings if this was going to happen, to happen at this time of the school year to number one, take away a lot of the testing uh, requirements and not to have you know a big long you know extended period of of time away. So lots of interesting process. So last question I'll, I'll ask you, uh, Eric. Then is is uh, you know if this were to you know to continue in in some way, shape, or form, what like what are you concerned about in terms of like I this is the thing that I I don't know that we've actually uh, wrapped our head around in terms of how this. Or, or the lasting impacts in, an, in any other way around the, the epidemic?
0: Um, I mean, probably just the whole aspect of making relationships with students. Um, you know, I'm thinking of students that I know really need that school contact. Um, and not necessarily even something where it's like they have a horrible home life, but just that, like, they need that another adult in their life to just be able to, you know, talk to or, You know, have a relationship. So, my major concern is if we, you know, this carries on, how do we create those things that are, you know, if you call them soft skills or whatever, but, you know, there's so much you can do online, but there's still not going to be that aspect of um, having like a conversation and showing empathy and things like that. So, how do we create that in an online environment if we have to move to more remote learning? Or, what if we you know have to do a blended type thing what if what if you know some states have talked about maybe on alternating days we have some students come to school and other students you know are at home that day and then rotate um you know what does that look like how are we able to build like consistency and i don't there's just so many things to think about um i've been keeping a journal um and i've encouraged my students to keep a journal and just you know on different days writing down thoughts about you know how are we going to look differently at this, whether it's education or it's, um, you know, what we buy, um, you know, how we cook our food, how we prepare food um, just all these different kinds of things that are just completely unknown. And it amazes me, like, you don't even think about them and then all of a sudden, you know, we're on day whatever 30 something and you're like, Oh my gosh, I wonder what this is going to look like if this continues another couple of weeks. I mean, I'm probably gonna need to get a haircut eventually. I, I just like all these weird things that you don't even imagine, but in a school setting, I think that building relationships, how do we do that in a more online environment is gonna be a major thing. My sixth grade daughter just had lunch with um, 70 students at her middle school. Um, a couple of teachers arranged a Zoom call and 70 students, yeah, uh, sixth yeah. graders showed up to eat lunch. And I mean, she was so excited to be able to see yeah. um, her friends. Um How do we replicate that in that kind of environment
1: yeah and and I think uh, you know again, that's my my hope is that like I love the fact that you've got yourself and, and your students writing journaling this because uh the danger is that we lose the 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 um, you know the emotion behind some of these conversations moving forward, and we forget because I don't know that anybody actually i mean we talk about going back to normal, but I think people are seeing enough potential enough. Uh, good things that are happening as a result of this, that nobody probably wants to go back to exactly the way it was before. Like we want to return. We we, we certainly want those freedoms back, no question, but there's a lot here that, that we want to maintain and figure out like this relationship bit, how do we sort of double down on it in a, in a face to face or whatever environment it is that we say, you know what, that was, that was really what was important. We did a great job of that. We, you know, better connections with parents, students and so forth. Uh, why would we wait for a pandemic to make that just embedded into our work? And it's probably feeding off of already established cultures around things that people believe. It's not like people didn't believe that relationships are important. We just now see it more clearly. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's really a thing. It's not just lip service that we paid to this. So when um, somebody was
0: talking about their, like their families, you know, how much time you're spending with your family. And it's like, why, why did I not do this before? And so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people commenting on like what people are noticing during this pause that they're going to want to basically make sure that they keep once we go back to whatever the next normal type of
1: thing right. is. Well, well, we'll reconvene in a year from now. Hopefully uh, we'll have a lot more to say about what did stick and what didn't stick and what should have stick and what in all of those things. So anyways, thanks Eric for taking the time to do this. It's, uh, it's always, uh, interesting to hear and I appreciate, uh, uh, your perspectives on this and the work that you do, um, as a teacher and I just thank you for, thank you for doing that for, for kids over these years.
0: Well, thanks Dean. I love, uh, all your work and it was great to reconnect and we'll have to do this again.
1: Absolutely. Cheers.
0: All right. Thanks Dean.